Women Taking the Lead, episode 43. You know, I always thought of myself that I would be like such a good leader but because I'm bossy and smart. But like the truth is like I really like it better when um, people collaborate and work as a team. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. This episode is sponsored by Luma Coaching. Want some support to get your dreams off the ground? Go to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Jess Kupferman, who is the founder and host of Lady Business Radio and The Money Cast. She's been an entrepreneur since 2005 when she started her own graphic design firm. She then went on to conquer web and then social media and decided to branch out yet again and help clients put their business models online, get paid online, create online products, etc. After almost 10 years of working for herself, she's picked up a few lifestyle tips along the way, too. Her brand is twofold. She gabs about the culture and lifestyle of being a woman entrepreneur on Lady Business Radio with today's top lady business owners. She also helps business owners become as juicy as celebrity tabloids with banging branding strategies and just came into my world when she and another podcaster, Elsie Escobar, started She Podcasts. And if you haven't heard that yet, you need to check it out. So Jess, that's a little intro for everyone. So tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. Thank you. Um, Yes, pretty much. I started my own business in 2005 as a graphic designer. Um, A lot of times my clients were asking me, do you do websites? So I thought I probably should since I'm being asked that constantly. And then um, I learned how to do web. And then in 2008, when Facebook came around, I started using it like crazy. It was a great way to get business. I've never had to advertise just from social media use. And then, of course, people started asking me, can you teach me how to, you know, use Facebook for business? So I switched to that. And it seems like um, a lot of my business has been me sort of answering, you know, the things that people ask me to do. I sort of switch, not necessarily my gear, but I find that if one person's asking, many people want to know, and it ends up being relatively lucrative. So I also like being the first to, you know, experiment, piddle with things and then come back to clients and be like, well, I found this to be successful or that to be successful. The She Podcast thing happened just because um, I, I was at New Media Expo in 2014 and I felt like, I just felt like when I was asking questions of male podcasters, for some reason, I felt like their answers were glib or not relevant. And and when I was hanging out with my women podcaster friends, I don't know, I just felt so much more understood and that their, you know, that their support was more valuable. So I came back and started this tiny little group. It was like six. I just wanted it to be like me and the six women podcasters I knew. And Elsie is one of those people, but she knows everyone. So she, so like I turn around like one day later, there's like 50 people in there and then a hundred people in there. And, um, and it just kind of grew from there. It's been really great. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so grateful that the two of you met because as I was sharing with you before we started recording, like I'm such a fan of that podcast because the conversations are so real. 
right? There, there is no ego or super identity involved. You guys are just having real conversations and just giving your real thoughts about how things land for you and your perception of things. And I think sometimes that can be the difference between a conversation amongst women and men is, and men will, will admit this openly. Like they need to figure out like ranking order. Yeah. You, you know, so yeah. they tend to get, you know, they tend to talk a lot about credentials and what they have going yeah. on and yeah. what they're creating in the world. And women don't tend to do that so much. That can be a plus and a minus, but that is tends to be a difference between men and women. So I totally get that. And just you've clearly had success in your life and you've definitely gained confidence. But I want to hear about a time when you were playing small, like you undervalued yourself. You didn't realize what you were fully capable of. And you may not have been aware of it at the time. It might have only been in retrospect that you thought, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that I ever thought that. Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned from that. Well, um, when I first started my business, I mean, just to so you know, like between 2005 and 2015, I've rebranded my business like six times. And I think, I mean, on the surface, it's it seems like what I mentioned earlier, which is like, oh, I keep changing focus and, you know, I've changed my name and my branding. But part of it is also that like, I realized at one point, it was probably like two years ago, that I would get to a point where I was about to hit big and then I would change my tune. And it was almost like I was sabotaging myself. And so I had to really start to think, like, am I doing that? And I have attention deficit. And I don't know, it just occurred to me that I was afraid a little bit of success that if I got busy or if I got bombarded that I would disappoint people, that I would... um, not be able to deliver, that I would be disorganized, that I couldn't handle it. And so I think I was subconscious. I didn't realize it at the time. At the time, I was just like, oh, this will be cute. This will be fun. But at the time, I was, you know, but then later I was just like, why? What is wrong with me? Why can't I just stick with one thing when I know it's going to be good? Stop switching. And so I have to force myself. I mean, I really do have to force myself. I mean, you can see just because I am I have Lady Business Radio and then I started She Podcast and now I'm doing the money cast. And I still have ideas for like three other shows in my head. It's only partially like, oh, what if they get big? That's not really the case now. Now it's just a matter of like, I want them all to be big and popular and successful. And I don't have time to do all the things I would like to do. That's different. I love that you shared that because it's true that's out there, but I don't think we talk about it enough. The fear of success. Yeah. Like, what will my life become? Like, we all want fame and glory, right? We, we well, you know, we, I do. we dream. Yeah. yeah we I think everybody dreams of like having their moment, right? When they stand out and they're appreciated and adored, you know, some of us want it more than others, mm-hmm. right? So you and I probably fall in that category. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely do. But there's also this feeling of like, what price will I have to pay? You know, we, we hear all the like horror stories of like getting so busy and your priorities getting out of whack and losing touch with your roots. And I think sometimes that stops us from fully going for it. Mm-hmm. But I love that you said like, that's not the case. Now, even though you have a lot of ideas, you still are, you know, sticking with projects to take them to that place of like feeling that they are fully successful and have reached their potential. What have you put in place to make sure you are not sabotaging yourself? Um, That's an interesting question. You know, there was a lot of stuff that I had in place last year and I was working and I got pregnant and I was working so hard to make sure that like things didn't crumble and fall apart. But, um, 
I was having an issue with blood pressure. And so the more stuff I was trying to push, push, push to get done, it was like my body was like, nope, you're not going to get this done. Nope, we're not going to get this done. Nope, that's not happening either. And so I had to sort of let that go. Like I do try and outsource as much as I can and um, as much as I can afford. But that number was much higher before I had the baby because there was a good two months before I had the baby where I really couldn't work without, I mean, and it's not even the bad kind of, it's not stress, but like talking to you, I'm very animated and I'm excited. That's not good for me either when you, when you have high blood pressure and you're pregnant. So I was trying to just stay as chill as humanly possible. Um, so because of that, some stuff went by the wayside, then I had the baby and I really couldn't work successfully until he was like four months old. So that's like a good six months of zilch. Um, and so the amount of stuff I can outsource now is much different than what I could outsource six months ago when I had a steady income. So, um, I'd like to say that I put tons of stuff in place. So I don't, you know, I I feel like I'm at the moment building that up again right now it's passive income and a system and a rhythm because Mm -hmm. when you have a rhythm and a dedication to a schedule, I think that's the key to not falling by the wayside or, you know, it's sort of like, you know, your listeners depend on you on Tuesdays, if you don't have it out on Tuesday, you're just a jerk. So you, you know, so you work towards that. And so that's what I'm trying to reestablish with, I mean, she podcasts, you know, Elsie does a lot of the, um, this, you know, we tape on Wednesdays and then she does a lot of the back end stuff. And then we, we do pay someone to do a little more of the back end stuff. And so I don't have to worry about that part. It's my own shows like lady business radio has sort of gone by the wayside. Um, and I'm not sure I want to pick it back up. And then I wanted to really start talking about money and podcasting and that hasn't found its rhythm yet. So I'm sort of in kind of a big transition also because I really just started to get a rhythm. I mean, he's eight months, like three months ago. Mm -hmm. And then I did a launch. And so I don't know, like I just, I'm not sure that I, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure I'm answering your question very well because I I don't know that I'm successfully doing it at this moment. Well, you know what I'm hearing um, in your answer, Jess, too, is you're great when there's accountability, right? When there's, it's public, it's visible, and with She Podcast, your partnership with Elsie kind of keeps you engaged and moving forward because Elsie's relying on you to do your part, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And stay focused and do it. Like you said, you're like, when it's my own projects, then it's harder. Well, I mean, with Lady Business Radio, one of the reasons I could stick with it really well is because I felt an obligation to the guest. Like they gave me their time and I don't want to I don't want to take advantage of that by not publicizing it correctly or by not um, giving it my all to market it. So I marketed the heck out of it as much as I could. Um, The money cast just hasn't found its rhythm with that yet. I just got off the phone for my first interview and it has three episodes. So I'm getting there with that. And then with She Podcast, my part of it is to do the passive income part. And so in the background, I redesign the website. I'm putting up a directory. I'm trying to figure out, you know, freebies and stuff people can download for like, you know, eBooks for like 10, 20 bucks a pop, that kind of thing. That's my thing is setting up, setting up ways to make money that will go on and on and on as we grow so that I don't have to consistently, you know, show up and do something because that's difficult. That's difficult to schedule. 
Yeah, no, you just reassured me because I have been listening to your MoneyCast podcast. Oh, I'm really yeah. excited about that. Um, so I was worried. I know you were looking to get interviews going, so I'm happy to hear that you set up an interview as well, cu- kind of going with this theme of you're more motivated when other people are depending on yes. you because I do want to see this podcast go on. And actually, Gretchen Rubin has talked about that on her podcast, Happier, how some people are more intrinsically motivated versus people who are extrinsically motivated motivated. And I think you and I share that trait of being extrinsically motivated. Like when people are counting on us, it's easy for us to do what we need to do and we'll go above and beyond. But if it's just ourselves, then eh, this is why I don't exercise. You know what? I've that, That's a system I've set up in my life where I, I've got partners with me to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And if someone's expecting me to be there or someone or I'm going to somebody's house and we're going to do a workout, it gets done. Yeah. But if it's on my own, 50-50, you know, depending on my day. It feels like a luxury to me when I mean, when I know, like I said, Elsie's counting on me to get these things going. And yeah, the re- the me stuff seems like a luxury. Yes. Awesome, yeah. Jess for that. Okay. Now share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake up call, like something hit you over the head. You had an aha moment. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps that you took that led to your success. Mm. I mean, it's not something that everybody would be able to do, but, um, my mother passed away in 2005. That's what had me start my own business. And up until then, so when I graduated college, um, finally, I graduated eight months pregnant with my second child. I got pregnant senior year with my daughter and um, I had her and then went back to school to finish and got pregnant with my little boy. And so I graduated 23, eight months pregnant, you know, and, and he was born like maybe two weeks after I graduated. And so because I had two littles, I just hustled to get the first job that would hire me out of a communications degree. So I was like, I mean, really, you'd think you could get great jobs doing that, but it took a while to find a decent marketing job that paid and they were all sales, which makes me sweat. But I did it anyway, you know, but I did it for years. So let's say from 1999 when I went back to work until 2005, I probably had, oh gosh, 15 different jobs because I I wasn't good at I'm not saying I wasn't good at what I was doing, but I didn't enjoy it. Um, I was just trying to hustle. I was simply trying to make money as any way that I could. And when my mother got sick, she got sick in 2004 with cancer, August, and she died eight months later in May of 2005. I sort of felt like, uh, gosh, I mean, if I like I was 30 and she was 55. And so I felt like, gosh, if I only have 25 more years to live, I can't spend it peddling other people's crap anymore. Like I, I just cannot. And at the time I was working for a, um, car collection magazine. So we had started, like they had started this magazine for people who collect cars and hot rods, like in classics. And it was a lot of misogynistic guys that I was working for. And my office happened to be in a, in a nightclub where the waitresses wore bikinis. Like none of this aligned with my, with my own vision and stuff. Like I hate places like that. It was like neon shooters and like, it was just dumb. I hated everything about it. And so I drove home from her funeral and quit my job. Cause I was like, I cannot work for these D bags anymore. And so, um, yeah, like she had left me not that much money, very little money. What money she did leave me. Um, I spent on a computer and Adobe 
creative software and I put myself back to design school because I had known that I'd wanted to be doing the sales materials and ads and not the selling. And so that was my first step. I took like, I don't know, 10 grand and invested in that, went back to school and then hired a business coach because my husband was like, if you're going to have your own business, you need an ADHD coach that special, you know, that specializes in business because you're not going to be successful if you can't learn how to man and you need medication. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, I'll take medication. <laughs> but it really made a big difference. It made a huge yeah. difference in me being able to be successful and focus. He was right. And it's really worked. But just to have her pass away and me think, here's a woman who had all these talents, but basically, you know, she she just was doing what she had to do to make money. Like she was in, in a bookkeeper. I don't know if she enjoyed it. I mean, she was hilarious and she was a great writer and she was creative. And I don't know if she was using any of that her whole life. And I didn't uh. I didn't want to turn out like that. I didn't want to be 55 and come down with something and feel like all my talents went to waste. I don't know if she felt that way. She because she she's of a different time where like ladies just married the guy and had babies and maybe found something useful for themselves to do later. That's kind of like what she did. But I don't. I already knew I wasn't going down that road, but like, I definitely didn't want to feel like, oh my God, I'm just going to be doing sales because that's what I've done. Because that's what I've done. That's stupid. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so, it's awful with that it happens, but it's a blessing as well. When somebody important to us dies, it's, it, it is a wake up call. It makes us like put things in perspective and really think about the reality of things. Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I happy? Am I living, especially like the question of, am I living the life I want to be living? Yeah. You know, is this in alignment with me? And that's why as, as coaches and sometimes, you know, just as friends, we, we try to be helpful by asking the question, if you only had this much time to live, would you be doing this? Yeah. Would this be an issue? You know, cause the questions like that put it in perspective and, you know, a, a death of someone close to us. And you're not the first person who I've had on the podcast who's talked about how somebody who died, like set them off in a new life. Mm -hmm. You know, it was someone else's death that caused that, you know, like caterpillar to butterfly moment for them. Um, and it's huge. It's huge. Um, so if anyone who's listening, like ask yourself that question, like if say you only had a year to live, like what would be different? What would you change? And, and don't wait for someone to die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, I had another come what they call come to Jesus moment five years prior. I was in a marriage that wasn't right. And similarly, you know, I didn't think, oh, I don't want to live the rest of my life this way. But there was an incident that happened that made me think, who am I in this life? Like, this is not what I, this is not who I am. I am not this person. I don't have a husband who talks to me like this. I don't live in a house this way. This is not me, period. Mm. You know, I just, and, and it was, it once again was one incident that made me, th that made me finalize the thought that had been sort of boiling. But I mean, you know, when you're in a bad marriage, you kind of just like fight or flight. Like you take every day as like a something to overcome. If you can survive that day, you know, good. But then once in a while, something will happen and you'll just be like, oh, this is not my life. No, it is not my <laughs> life. No. Yeah. Who am I anymore? Yeah, no. And Ugh. you just say no and that's it. And so, I mean, one was certainly a much different experience than the other because when my mother died, you know, that requires a lot of reflection. This was, you know, the first time was much more like a slap in the face of just not being who you were meant to be period. Yeah. And you, Cut and dry. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. That's a great segue because one thing I, I always ask my guests and what I want the listeners to get is there's no one way to lead. I think sometimes we fall into a trap of looking at someone who's a leader in life and in, in our lives and we think, oh, if I want to be a leader or if I want to be successful, I have to be like them. And it's totally not true. You can absolutely be yourself and be a great leader because we all have different skills and strengths and our personalities are different. So we're all, because of that, we're all going to lead differently. So Jess, how would you describe your leadership style? (laughs) Reluctant. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your honesty. Say more about that. (laughs) Oh God. And this is the same way I parent too. So it's like not a good thing, but like I always am optimistic that I was this way as a camp counselor. In fact, my whole, you know, I always thought of myself that I would be like such a good leader because I'm bossy and smart. But like the truth is like, I really like it better when um, people collaborate and work as a team. I don't necessarily like to be the boss and I'm uncomfortable people thinking of me as a boss or a leader. That said, once I step into that role, you can go ahead and duck because I'm going to take it very seriously. So she podcast is a perfect example. I, I didn't want to impose rules. I know Elsie didn't want to impose rules. We just kind of want things to like go as they go and be as they be and let the group govern themselves. And for the most part they did, but then occasionally someone would go, this person's doing this and it's really annoying. And they tell me cause I'm the admin or they tell Elsie, you know, and then, or Elsie would come to me and go, what do we do about this. And I'm like, okay, I don't like that because I think it's rude and it annoys everyone else. Let's get rid of it. And so when that one thing would happen over and over, I started to feel like, okay, we need rule. We just have to have rules, darn it. Because it's the only way to avoid people irritating each other. And also it does set an expectation. And that's kind of the same way that I parented, unfortunately, is that like, you know, you go along and things you know, people take advantage of you. So like you let kids eat Cheetos in the family room one time. And fine, it's not a big deal. But, you know, two weeks later, when your couch is orange, it's a problem. (laughs) And that's kind of how I lead. You know, I sort of, (laughs) unfortunately, you know, I make make rules based on where I see a need rather than, because I don't always, I don't always see an advance to what's going to be a problem. And um, yeah, and then once I've made that rule, though, you can't cross it or you're done or we're done here. Um, right. so I will say that once I have decided to step into that rule, I'm pretty forceful about it. And I don't, and I don't care like what is being said or thought about me because that's just the way it is. What can you do? I totally get that. You do? <laughs> I, well, I totally get what you're saying where you're like, Hey, we're all adults. Common sense will rule the day. We all know work. We all yeah. know how to get along with each other. Yeah. And then you realize there are people out there who are lacking a lot of common sense yes. or they're just not in tune. They're not paying attention to the effect that they have. Well, they on don't other care. People. They're so desperate <laughs> to make money that they'll just promote their BS all over town and not care if they're annoying people because someone will pick it up. Right. And I, right. And I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And for those who are listening, who are not like business owners and maybe not managing Facebook groups, you still have people that you're friends with on Facebook or who, who like air their dirty laundry mm-hmm. and you're like, ah, why are they doing that? No, right? I mean, and if you could set a rule, you would. I mean, think about it, it again. It it's, applies to parenting. It applies to um, putting together a baby shower. It applies to your job. Like you, you, 
it's better to take a leadership role than let things come together because details slip through the cracks and bad things happen before you have a chance to jump on them. So like, so like I, I would say even your question, like when I am planning an event, I take the leadership role right away because I already know what's going to fall through the cracks because it's happened to me before. So like, I don't, you know, like for example, I already know if I'm planning something, whether or not I'm going to have beer and wine at this event, because do I want drunk idiots at this event or not? And if they don't like it, oh, well, ski. If I say no, do you know what I mean? Like it's that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it depends yeah. on the crowd. And, but there are tons of ways that you can apply your approach to leadership. And, um, my approach is not soft, but I, but I, I am reluctant to step into that. Not because of the responsibility, but just because, yeah, I feel like it's a, I feel like up until I step into it, it it's a hassle, I guess. Yeah. I don't want to be hassled. Well, yeah, no, I to I get that yeah. too. And just you know, I totally have to say this to you because I I'm a huge believer that everyone should just embrace who they are. And the more you do, the better a leader you are, and the more comfortable you are in that mm -hmm. role. Because, you know, you don't have a soft approach, and that's okay. Because what's what's mingled in your approach is a really big heart and good intentions. Yes. Right. So that that comes through. You know, even when you're not being soft, you're it's very clear that you're doing it for the good of all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the in the sense of a Facebook group, it's very true. Like um, and you can think of it as your kid. Like if if someone pokes your kid one time. No, is it a big deal? Not really. But if they're going to keep poking in that one place, it's going to cause a bruise. I don't want my Facebook groups to get bruises. So mm. you so no pokes are allowed <laughs> in the first yes. place, you know, and I mean. If yes. you can, I guess if you can apply that to everything, it, it does kind of work out. But yeah, at first I was really reluctant. I, I guess I'm, I guess in time I'm grow, you know, maybe that's with age. I'm growing more uh, comfortable with it, which is probably, I mean, you know, I don't mind being a thought leader, but that's different. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, we could go on and on about this subject forever. Yeah, yeah. But what I want to hear about now is something that you're working on currently that you're super excited about that you want to share with everybody. Mm. I'm really excited about the money cast actually because I feel like it's a big experiment as to how people make money podcasting. It's something that people ask constantly and it's a question I want to answer because that's what I want to do. I don't want to go back to getting a job. I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to look because um, just your, having your own business in general is very unpredictable. Um, uh, Thank you. Sorry. I had, to, I had a baby brain blip there. Um, yeah. Having your own business is very unpredictable. And so, you know, I miss the days where I just got a paycheck every Friday. Like it was so blissful and you didn't have to worry. And so, um, the money cast is, is really formed so that I can say, okay, I am getting a paycheck on a regular basis and it makes up what I would be making at, you know, first, you know, first was, they doesn't even exist anymore. Chase or I live in Wilmington, Delaware, where all the credit card companies are. So, pretty much that's where I'd work if I had a job because that's <laughs> they run the place around here. Um, right. And I don't want to do that. So can I make enough money doing what I want to do so that I don't have to do that? I'm hoping the answer is yes, by interviewing people who are doing it. Even if like Dave Jackson, who I just interviewed has a day job, but he gave me amazing ideas. Like if I can incorporate those two and then two from the next guy and two from the next guy, maybe I won't need a job. Oh my goodness. You know what's so inspiring about what you're doing, Jess, is you didn't start this podcast because you have all the answers. You started the podcast because you wanted to ask the questions and have the conversation yes. so that you can learn from it. Oh. It actually makes me really self-conscious. 
as a matter of fact, <laughs> because I'm worried that people are going to judge. Like, who is she to have this podcast? She has, I have no financial experience. I'm not that great with money. Our family has an accountant. Like I, like I, you know, and I, and I probably need a job, but, but people who love podcasting don't want to do something else and it's time consuming. So there's got to be a way we can get paid to do it. Yeah. I mean, it, it is out of sheer curiosity. I think that's a good way to start something it, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I, I might eventually become an expert on creative ways people make money, but that's simply from asking questions and, oh gosh, I mean, I'd love to say Googling, you know, cause that's how I became an expert on design. Let's be honest. I Googled the crap out of that. And then figured out how to do it when somebody had a question. How do you do business cards? Sure, no problem. I just said yes. Just say yeah. yes and figure it the heck out. Well, I know for me, like, I I feel closer to you because I know with the money cast, like, you and I are kind of in it together. Yeah, yes. And I feel I can reach out to you more and be like, Jess, the next time you talk to somebody, ask them this question. Yeah. That's how I want it to feel. Yeah. Like we're all, yeah. Rooting for each other to have a living, to do a, make a living. I mean, we can't all be from NPR and WNYC and we can't all be serial podcasts. Some of us have to hustle. Our took us is off. And how can we make it lucrative enough? You know? Yeah. Yes. So I'm excited about that because I'm hoping that it will not just change my life, but maybe set a new precedent as to what podcasting can do for careers. Um, I mean, not to be all land breaking or whatever, but, you know, just for one or two people to have the same effect that it might have on me, I, I'm excited about. And then there's always like little things in the background that I want to start that I'm not sure I I will ever have the time to do. But like my 40 job, I think I told you how many jobs, like I always have this idea that I'll do a podcast series called 40 and 40. And the first one would be 40 jobs in 40 years. <laughs> and then I thought 40 dates in 40 years. and I could just talk about all the bad dates and boyfriends I've had because that would be just fun. <laughs> you know, but I, well, I run out of forties after those two. I don't know what else I've done 40 times since I've been. Well, there are some podcasts out there and they start with the intention of only doing X number of episodes and then they're done. Yeah. And that, almost like a TV yeah, series exactly. that is only going to have one season. Like that's the intention. One season, boom, done. Yeah. Just to tell this story. The BBC does that all the time. They have, sh they have a series but it's only it's to tell one story and it happens over an entire year. It's like 20 episodes and then done. I mean, the idea is that when I was done my own 40s that I would start asking like the audience that I've built up, like, give me a story of a parenting mistake. And then I would just tell 40 parenting mistakes or I would just tell 40, you know, um, I don't know, unlikely hero stories or just whatever. I could go on. I just would have to switch it a little. But anyway, I'm excited about that if it ever happens. But there's nowhere that anybody could look for it because I'm still in my head. Okay. <laughs> awesome, Jess. Well, the lesson here for those out there listening is don't be afraid to start something because you're not the expert. Yeah. And, you know, let your creativity reign. You never know where it will end up. And nothing is permanent. You can always change. It's true. And people have short memories. So if you do a really bad job, people forget. That's <laughs> you <know? true. laughs> Their memories are very That's forgiving. True. So That is true. <laughs> All right, Jess, I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that helps to make you a better leader? Um, I think keeping in touch with the people that you're leading on a regular basis. You can't disappear. So I make sure that I keep in touch as much as I can. Be consistent. Mm -hmm. I hear that mm -hmm. and what you're saying. Yep. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Mm. You know, it's not written by a woman, but The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. It's all about, uh -huh. it's all about um, upper limiting yourself and how not to do that. Yep. It doesn't have to be by a woman. No, I know, but it's ironic. I, that's all. But yeah. <laughs> 
you know, and I tell people this all the time too, like some of my best mentors have been men. I do not. And and I interview men on this podcast as well. I do not, I don't want to rule out the male perspective because I think they have a lot to offer women as well in terms of developing as a leader. And they see, they, you know, and you've had this interaction on your episode as well, where when the men weigh in, they have a, a perspective that helps to open up the conversation a little bit further. Yeah. You know, Definitely. so that's well, that's a great that's, book and it's an easy read. Like I read it at jury duty one morning, like the whole thing. <laughs> um, if you have two hours to spend, it's great. And it really gives you an insight and perspective as to why you might be sabotaging your success. Ah, that sounds like a great it airplane is. It's book. It's a great too. airplane book. Yes. <laughs> Get off the plane, raring to go. <laughs> I'm going to put that in my bag for yes. podcast movement. Yes. All right. And just knowing what you know now. If given a chance to go back and do anything differently, like if you could keep the lessons you learned, right? Because some people say that like, oh, I wouldn't change anything because, you know, of all the lessons I learned. If you could keep the lessons that you've learned, but if you could go back and do anything differently, what would you change? You know what? I'd probably outsource things a lot sooner. I'm very controlling. I didn't want to work with other people. I felt introverted for a little while and I would let go of that and work harder to find a good teammate sooner because um, it probably made me waste a lot of time doing little piddly technical things that I didn't need to do. Mm, I love that. And share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Mm. One of my favorite quotes lately is, um, oh, there's two actually. Lucille Ball, who said, I'm not funny. What I am is brave. And that's huge (laughs) because, first of all, she is funny. But it takes so much bravery to put yourself out there and do the joke. It's hard. It's work. And whether you're being funny or whether you're being serious or knowledgeable or whatever, you have to be brave first. She's right. Yeah. Yeah. She's brilliant. I grew up watching reruns of I Love Lucy. So she's she's always been one of my heroes. Yeah. And then the other one is Joan Rivers, actually, um, who said, I made uh, I'm successful by saying what everyone else is thinking. Which is, again, I mean, along the same lines of being brave, you know, she's I mean, if you've seen her comedy, she's right. A lot of times she is saying that's why she got booted off the red carpet because the rest (laughs) because she would sit there and stand in front of you and go, what the are you wearing? You look like a peacock. (laughs) And it's true. But, you know, you can't say that to whatever. And this is definitely true about you because we were just having a conversation yeah. before we recorded about an episode on Cheap Podcast where like you came out and yeah. said something and I was I was on a walk listening to it and I was like, oh, good for her. Yeah. Oh, my God. She just said it. Yep. Yes. It's awesome. important. I, it's important to me. That's why those are my success quotes, because it's important to put yourself out there, even if it's scary. Yeah. And as women, sometimes it's hard to say what we're thinking like we we censor ourselves so much very much very much you know to the point where we water down ourselves you know that you know a lot of people like we're not we're not being true to ourselves now we never want to say anything that's just plain mean we're not talking about that Mm -hmm. but saying like be honest like say it out loud if it's if it's right there blurt it out amen sister (laughs) and Jess what lastly what is the best way for those who are listening to connect with you? Mm. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, right now, I would say shepodcasts.com is probably the best way or themoneycast.com. 
And for those of you listening, even if you're not a podcaster, you will enjoy the episodes because it's not just about podcasting. It talks about a lot of different issues that are relevant to women, pop culture, Mm -hmm. you know, mothering, (laughs) family, family, for sure. It's women-y and it all comes up and it's very enjoyable and it is a great way, a great place to connect with Jess. And you can find all of the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com. I will have Jess's show notes page right there in the podcast tab. She'll be easy to find. And Jess, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you so much for having me, Jody. It's been great. I'm honored. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas, you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.